Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. The theme song you just heard, ladies and gentlemen, is tonight's guest. I've had a long, long tailored history with tonight's just amazing musician, artist, all-around just spectacular influence of things in my life about maybe a year ago. I was just like, you know what, I, I got to do something different, man. I started looking at my man, and my man back in the day was like, you know, he was just, he, there was nothing really going on with his body. Then all of a sudden, bam, one day, he's got all these muscles. <laughs> he's on stage looking all yoked, and I'm just like, man, I want to look like that too, man. I need to change my ways. And he actually influenced me to start going to the gym, start working out, doing different things, drinking the protein shakes, taking care of myself, living a much more healthier lifestyle. And I had the pleasure of being in his band for the good part of one year recording a studio album he actually helped me become a better musician at age 38 with that being said welcome back for the second time here on the bombcast mr judah kim yo yo what's up bob what up man how you been i've been great great since the last saw you you know i was definitely going through a lot of turmoil it's tough being a musician it's tough being an artist yeah. I was going through a lot of turmoil. Okay, so we could just get it out there, brass tacks, so everybody knows. I was in Judah Kim and the Assassination. I was the bass player. And then, I guess for me, I mean, even before the band started, I had this feeling of like, I don't know if I can do this anymore, man. You know, it's just, it's such a push-pull type scenario, being a musician or an artist. You put so much into your craft and you want to get a lot out of it. And sometimes it's tough. Uh, being in Judah's band was great because he taught me more theory than I ever learned in the 20 years experience, you know, in downtown Harvest, Dato Demi, Pocket Dial. But for me, I had to leave the band in August. Why? Because, well, I got a three-year-old, you know, and I want to be present for his, you know, formative years. I mean, I just realized the other day that my earliest memory is seeing Jaws 3D, and when I checked the timestamp, it said 1983, and I was three years old, and I remember that shit. I need to be around for my son. So I just had to stop, and uh, I called Jude up. I was like, look, man, I, I just can't do it, you know? Yeah, you know, and that's when the band stopped, too, because we also had another member leave before then, and it just, uh, it just became the straw that broke the camel's back, you know? You mind if I turn off these lights? Yeah, turn them off. Turn them off. Yeah, you know, it's hard uh, being that camel or being that piece of straw. Pop uh, your mic up just a bit. Yeah, bring it up a little Vertical. bit closer to you. Let's hear that amazing voice you got. There you go. There you are. All right. So, you know, I mean, we had a great time uh, for that. I think it was probably about a year and a half. I started hanging out with you in April, learning stuff. And then we start putting the band together. We probably had like what three different versions of the band. Yeah, and I, I'd actually like to bring it back even further than yeah, that. Do I had remembered when you were doing your Top of the World and uh, what's the band? My nephew in it, Misty Plum. Uh, Misty Plum. Yeah, they they did something, and then I I they were covering one of my Stone Throne songs, which is so so cool. And then uh, they asked me to sing, and then I sang. And I remember you giving me a call the next day, and I'm like. Let's get a band together. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we didn't do anything for like the longest time. We didn't, time. No. We didn't. Because um, you were still doing the pocket dial thing very heavily. Um, yeah. And I was, I was still like in my early days of my recovery, so I wasn't really doing a lot of music then, you know what I mean? I was kind of mm -hmm. detached from society and just hanging around AA. Well, by the way, uh, since we brought it up, I remember the last time we did the cast, I guess it was like maybe three, four years ago, relatively uh, new into your recovery. Congratulations, man. I'm fucking beating that beast. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I appreciate you saying that. It's it's hard um, still. Like, I'm like six plus years now. Um, and, you know, we, me and my girlfriend went to Italy not too long ago. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to drink while I'm here. And, you know. I'm oh, just, you had that temptation? Absolutely. And she was just like, no, you can't. And, like, she's, that's one of the reasons I love her is that she, like, supports that part of, of me. Like, she supports the recoveries. 
and um, you know looks out for my best interests. Yeah, that's you know? what's up. I mean, but it's hard, you know, doing everything. It's just like goddamn. So, like, is it is it triggered? Were you? I mean, obviously, I mean, I followed that Insta story of all the history and food. Mm. Uh, I mean, like, you must have been triggered by like the the delicious taste and like I guess the wine smells so good there. But absolutely, good, good job, man. Yeah, you know a, what I mean? I'm a romantic at heart, man. I you know I tend to romanticize everything. I'm always just like uh, in my head. I have this vision of me like drinking a goblet of wine by a fire with like a big plate of pasta. You know, it's never like that. Yeah, you knew how I drink back in the day. Yeah. I'd be like, you know, yelling at people and like starting like fights, getting kicked out of bars and stuff. It was never, never good. So, I mean, I'm at a place now with my recovery where it's like, I can see how much progress I've gained. I have to like deliberately remind myself how far I've come. Um, and when I drink or, or use, it's I lose all of it. I know that I'll, I'll backslide into just, you know, havoc. You know, drinking really does that for a lot of people, and I don't think a lot of people have the capability to see just how bad it is for, for them. And they don't even, like, contemplate recovery or a 12-step program, and they just fall so deep into their addiction, and before they know it, it takes hold of them. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, anybody that's trying to better themselves, and I'm a big fan of anybody that... Um, you know, wants to change their life around. So, I mean, good for you, man. I agree you know, you. good I for agree. you. Thank you. Thank you. There's, I don't think we don't, we don't celebrate it enough. You know, um, people in recovery, you know, like, uh, I do see every now and then on Facebook, like people are like, I have six years sober, you know, yeah, like soberversary and stuff like <laughs> that. But you know, it is a, a feat. So good job. You know, yeah, I, it is good. I think it's, you know, for some people it works because it's like motivation to some yeah. degree, I guess. You know, I saw somebody who, a friend of mine who, like, quit smoking, and I was just thinking, you know, it's probably a really good motivator for him to just, like, post that and, like, get likes and, like, feel accomplished. You know, whatever whatever gets you there, I think, is, is Yeah, good. whatever gets you through the night. Mm-hmm. I always kind of feel, though, with, like, uh, with, with the smoking or, like, uh, quitting something, like, if you post about it, that means you're thinking about it. So, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I guess that was like Top of the World 3 was the first time Misty Plon covered that song. And you, you played that night as well, right? I had a gig before then, too. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. But no, you got up and did the song with I did, right. yeah, yeah. Sang, You did the year after that solo, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, we wanted to start a band. I remember, I remember the first time I saw uh, you do like, a, it was like when you were getting into like the whole uh, looping stuff. And I saw a fantastic video for the song, Listen. And I was like, oh, yeah. man, all right, this is it. That was the, that was the, that was the, that's the next that's part the of the straw story. that broke my camel's back. I was <laughs> just like, get me in on this yeah. shit. Yeah. I got to play this thing. Yeah. And then it was, and then it became like me and you rehearsing, just me and you. That's right. Um, like weekly. That was awesome. I remember that. Yeah, it was fun. Come over. I remember we like, we both enjoyed practicing in the dark. We're in the dark now. <laughs> I have something about uh, figuring stuff out in the dark. I don't know. It just makes my brain like work a little bit more faster. Yeah, I think we had better lights, though. It was like red and blue lights. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, and then we also had uh, a version of the band with the Basic Brothers. Remember that? Like, it was like a one practice deal. They yeah, came over. That was the first time. That was the first time we yeah. had, I had played with anybody for a long time, you know? Yeah, same, same. As, as far as a band, Pocket Dial was just me, Mickey, and the PA system. Mm-hmm. But it was nice to, like, feel that energy. Because, I mean, like a band, I mean, it really comes down to the energy. That version didn't work out. Then we got with Bice, <laughs> JB Bice in the house. <laughs> Yeah, Bicer and then Mr. Windle came too. That's right, it wins. Um, and then for that first show that we ever did, we had Michelle Armour, her sister, Angela. And yeah, we had nephew. the big band. Yeah, it was. That was crazy. I remember thinking to myself, like, oh man, this band's going to kill because we're, we're going to take this on the road, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. have this big band. Yeah. And then uh, that was like the only gig we did, right? Like, with them. With that lineup, yeah. It's just yeah. too much. It's, it's too just, much, yeah. At that time, I was. Um, I, was, I think I was compensating everybody still at that point. And it just became, like, for me, like, uh, this is becoming this big elephant that I can't, like, manage. Or I foresee it as such. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to scale down. It gets big. <clears throat> and then um, we we moved on from drummers. We tried a diff- couple different ones out. And then we got Johnny McNally and Kevin Cox. And that was Judah Kim and the Assassination. Yeah, that was the bulk of it, I think. You know, that band... Um, I felt I felt um, so torn just putting it all aside though because I invested you know not only so much money but so much time into yeah. 
into all of it like the writing it was just uh, just be days and like I, I would approach it the way I would like exercise you know as far as writing I would just write all day and then you know like I would write a lot you know I've yeah. just tons of songs revisions of songs until it was just right you know and I thought that like having such preparation with my music and my lyrics and everything and my band like would have made the studio experience a piece of cake but I, I i learned the hard way that it wasn't it wasn't the right way to approach it we recorded at kawari kawari uh coincidentally it was a part of best rock album of the year last year for the war of drug the war on drugs is that the, what they're called yeah okay um so they won and then we thought oh well you researched it and you thought that was the best place for us right yeah, I wanted to try something different. You know, I was open to just trying something different, working with somebody new instead of the people that I usually would go to. But, you know, I learned again that that was a bad mistake. I mean, the facility itself is really cool, but, you know, Zach Goldstein is not the person to uh, record and, and work with. At least all right, all right, let me roll my sleeves up here, okay? Because I've been waiting <laughs> for this moment for maybe about a year and a half, okay? Okay, but, so, but let me, before you say Go ahead, go ahead, yeah, yeah just, like, just let me know when to go in, coach. <laughs> before you think your teeth, it was like, I brought about eight songs or seven songs with the band, and plus I wanted another a remix, another song. Um, and we did it like over the weekend, which was super quick. You know, but again, I had the mentality thinking, well, I have all these parts worked out and everybody mm -hmm. knows what to play. Like, you know, thinking that that was the best way, but it was certainly wasn't on my on my part. That was that was my mistake. This is my take on it, though, Judah. OK, you were prepared. OK, you were prepared more than any other musician or artist that I've worked with. When push comes to shove, when you go into a studio, right, and you're working with somebody who's an engineer or a producer, you expect them to do the job that they're hired for. Mm -hmm. In my experience working with this guy, he did not set the microphones up correctly. Before He was yelling at us before uh, anything was open. Sure. And I don't mm -hmm. like working with people who are condescending in any form. Mm -hmm. and, I, and that's in the education world, world entertainment world, anything. Yeah. When you're talking down to somebody, you are a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. My experience there was that he was tripping on his ego the whole time, right? He was, I need the room for 20 minutes. Who are you, fucking Liberace, bro? You know what I mean? What, what Did we walk into like your you know, green room and your riders here and you need this, that, or whatever? No, okay? We're hiring you, okay? Yeah. We're not setting out for you to put your mark on this. We're setting out for you to capture our artistry. And when he didn't set those microphones up correctly, and then since the wheels are turning right now and my sleeves are rolled up, right? You're lighting up a joint at 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay, if you're lighting that joint up, I want you to produce something akin to what the Beatles did back in the 60s. I want your mind to take us to places we can't go. <laughs> that is not what happened. He wouldn't even turn the monitors up to so we could hear what we were recording. Yeah, my bass sounded like you know uh, pieces of dental floss strewn across the room with somebody just running by trying to get some vibration out of them. Yeah, and you know that was the other thing is he was insistent on using his instruments and his gear and stuff and like you know because you had restrung your bass yeah. in it before. Uh, yeah. we were all Every time I, I played remember that. Yeah. And then it, and you were all excited about the polish. We were talking about the phone. I remember hearing that like polished sound and then and you had told me I think or maybe I overheard it, but he was like I fucking hate that sound. Yeah. He, he said it over the over the cans too, like, over the monitor. I fucking hate that sound. What is that sound? Oh my god! Where's my green skittles? Oh my fucking god! I hope you're listening to this, bro. I unfollowed you a while ago, and you know I haven't actually called anybody out on the Bobcast in a real long time. But I'm calling you out, dude, because people like you are the reason why the music industry is in the state it is. You have a job to do, okay? You want to smoke some weed? Smoke some weed at home watching Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Don't smoke some weed when I'm coming in here to pay you money. Yeah, and hopefully this isn't, we're not just slandering somebody or, or whatever. It's just, uh, I was really, um, sort of like, I don't want this to happen to somebody else. You know and we don't, mean? yeah, and uh, you know what? That's that's a good message. Maybe he has changed his ways, and I won't even say his name here on the Bobcast. I already did. It's all right, you did. <laughs> you but can bleep me out later, I guess. Yeah, you know, Ooh. if you want, if you want. I mean, we we don't, don't have to, I but you know what? I think that really it comes down to is that when somebody 
gets hired to do a job, you want them to put their best foot forward. And if you're working with them in a collaborative setting, you want them to be able to produce results. You know, and the album sounds, you know, it's good. But being in that room and knowing what instruments we were playing on, you know, I mean, there was some cool vintage shit, but vintage shit don't mean nothing man you need a good recording yeah for sure you know mm-hmm. oh yeah he oh we got all this vintage sound right, man. Right. we got this stuff you know and a lot of it was or at least part of it i take responsibility for in not being able to stand up for myself and speaking speaking up for what i actually wanted and you know, it was a lot of stress and just like hearing stuff back and then being like, well, it's not supposed to sound like this, it's supposed to sound like this. And you you know, you have like three guitars going, mm-hmm. sometimes four with another layered part or whatever, synth maybe, drums, bass, vocal parts, etc. You have to do that eight times and it's like, we did it so fast and it was just like, you know, I, you know me, I'm very, th- I like to be very thorough and, and with stuff. So it was just a lot for a lot of stress on me, but at you know, the same time, it was just like, like I said, I really own up and take responsibility at times for just like putting my foot down, I think. And that's important. I think if, if there's anything I want to say to anybody out there, it's like, use who you know and trust, because it's important. I think music should come from a place where the environment is freedom and and creativity like a garden not like a i don't know what you want to what would you call prison it? a prison <laughs> i couldn't wait to get the fuck out of there man i remember the one that i was like I, jesus christ save me get me out of here you know what i mean like i i don't like that man at all i don't like be, i don't like feeling belittled and i don't belittle people myself in my daily practice you mm-hmm. know and i don't like make promises and i like to listen to my music loud yeah for sure but yeah i mean don't go there or if you go there use a different producer you know what i mean like that's the lesson learned you know and unfortunately i I, I, it's hard to find a good place where you can trust somebody just like you were saying you got to trust them you know i mean you got to trust them with your garden you know maybe you know just playing devil's advocate maybe he work he would work for somebody else you know i just think that's true of just people and relationships. Nah, you know? dog. I remember sitting there. I, I, I said to him, I was like, I was like, yo. Uh, so, like, we were outside on the balcony, and I'm trying to like get to know this guy, you know, because I want to know. I want to know what kind of person is going to be crafting my E A D and G strings in the final mix down, you know. And so I said to him, I was like, hey, bro. So, like, you know, how long you been working here for? I don't even remember what how many years. You know, I don't know, man. Wow, you know. And then I was like. um, so what was your favorite project? And like, he didn't have an answer. He's like, I don't know, man. Just do the work. I was like, what? Yeah. You, you don't have a favorite food? <laughs> do you have a favorite <laughs> strand of weed? Like, do you have anything that you like? Yeah. And he, I got nothing from him. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Like, even if you can't come up with an answer, just bullshit me, man, you know? And the whole fact mm-hmm. that like, you know what I mean? Like, I oh God, I just can't stand that 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 mentality that I'm better than you. Yeah. I don't even like seeing it when it happens to other people, man. You know? Right. I, mm. I get like offensive, like I get offended by other people's offensive behavior. Yeah, and that's the point here, uh, you know, just to reiterate that. It's like, hope it doesn't happen to somebody else. It, it probably happens to kids all the time, man. They're like, yo, man, we're going to save up all our money. We're going to go to the studio. And this guy's like, look, man, it's a privilege for you to be here right now, okay? Right, right. These microphones are tuned to my sensibilities. Like, get the fuck out of here, dude, okay? You want to be a musician, you want to record something great. Don't start off by saving your money and giving it to some guy to fuck it all up. Get yourself a computer, get yourself a USB microphone, and just start from scratch. Yeah. Start from scratch and get you some demos. It certainly was very, very just upset and gnashing my teeth a lot because I spent so much money into it. And, and you know, I've worked for that money. Yeah, you, you did. Know, you did. Really you worked hard, man. You were yeah. playing a lot, Ubering out, you know what I mean? Like, getting your, getting those finances up. And I remember thinking, like, oh, man, I just, I want this to work for I, I wanted it to work for you in the worst way possible uh, to the point where my my emotions got the best of me a few times as you remember yeah with when we're talking about our fellow friend there but I mean I don't know you know the way I see it now though is yeah it's a learning lesson but you know you're still gonna keep creating you're gonna record again yeah you know and that's sort of where it brings us to date I think just been kind of back in a happier place um How'd you get back? How'd I get? I think it was really just 
letting Judy Kim and the assassination go was 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 a huge part of it because I felt this obligation to myself to continue with the name and the band because I had recorded a record and spent thousands of dollars on it and pressed it and made merchandise t-shirts uh, a banner for it like Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all of it. It was on Spotify. I spent money into playlists. So all this huge investment was just like lurk, you know, lurching over me. Like, yeah. you gotta like continue to do this, or you're feeling. But I was just not feeling. I was gnashing my teeth is the best way to describe it through it all. And it should never be like that. You know, it shouldn't be. I mean, I there's a difference between like hard work and like doing something because it's going to better you. But at the same time, it does. There's a, there's a fine line between that and like suffering through it in the worst way. You know what I mean? Yeah, you deserve to enjoy it, you know? So, I, I, I felt terrible that uh, when I made the decision that I needed to leave the band, that the band didn't continue because I thought for mm-hmm. sure that Eric Cooper will be replaced me because I mean to say all the time I want to coop but I understand like how you know things fall apart and stuff like that and um, I still think that uh, the time that we spent together was uh, a fantastic time it just for me it was just a multitude of different things it was also not ever taking a break with live music doing live music since the age of like 21 till 39 you know what I mean mm-hmm. I just had nothing really to do with the band for me. We always talked about the clown. I don't think I've ever talked about the clown here on the podcast. Uh, but we talked about the clown many times. Did we? I mean, the well, clown. No, me and you. I mean, we, me and you chatted about the clown nonstop. But the clown, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a musician, you know about this. You finish a show, you're laying in bed, you got tinnitus in your ears, and you're just sitting there thinking, damn, was that enough? Yeah. Did I entertain them? Was I good? Was this shit even worth it? The empty feeling, yeah. The emptiness of it. The and post-show I, blues, man. Post-show blues, man. I don't get that feeling from anything else except when I would perform music. Yeah. And I'm not talking just your group. I'm talking even with Downtown Harvest, Did yeah. With Demi, Pocket Dow, you name it. I always felt that the good shows I wouldn't reflect on as much as the bad ones. The bad ones I tear myself apart on. Right. I think there's just something chemically involved too. Like you know, you get the adrenaline, dopamine rush, and then I think it's just a crash. But like, you know, I had posted about this on Facebook maybe a year and a half ago that like, you know, if there was some sort of like therapy thing for post-show blues, people oh, yeah, could all right. like congregate to a place. Like if you've had a show that night, and maybe play ping pong or video games, and just maybe chat with other people about that your feelings that night. You know, because it is a it's a very lonely feeling. You know, very lonely, and empty, very lonely. and then like, you know, I've had Sarah, my girlfriend, tell me. Just like, so why do you do this? You're always like miserable after your show. Yeah. And um, the the answer is... What's the answer? The answer is that, um, you know, every anything outside of creativity for me is kind of, is I hate to say it, meaningless almost. You know, because creati- creativity thing is, is the thing that drives me forward and it's the thing that's going to last after I die. It's the one thing that will continue, you know? I feel that way 100%. That's why I continue to do the podcast. Because it's like, right now, there's 176 hours of my life documented that somebody could, my son could listen to when I pass away. Yeah, it's awesome. But I know that about art, though. It's just like, also, too, with the physical assertion, like, of uh, being a musician and playing for 40 minutes, you know, like, how do you come down from that? Because I remember um, just not being able to sleep. um, Yeah. And just feeling all sorts of emotions towards it, you know? I remember we had one show where I just could not hear, and I beat myself up maybe for like a month on that because mm-hmm. I couldn't uh, redeem myself into the next gig. But, I mean, mistakes happen on stage. Sometimes you can't hear shit. Sometimes mm-hmm. you might forget a part, mess the whole band up. Mm-hmm. But uh, being a musician, man, it's just tough. It's, no, I- it's, it's so draining on... I don't even know what part of my body it is. Yeah. Is it my spirit? I don't know. I think it's your spirit. I mean, I think uh, the post-show blues is a lot more, is stronger when, you, when you're you not playing a lot of shows. If you're playing like, if this is your first yeah. show or if, like you're, you know, if you're a young kid and then like you play like once or twice a year, everything becomes a big deal, you know, and... The le- the more shows you play, I think the less it ha- the less severe it is, but it still happens, you know for sure. Yeah, I 
I, and I do remember, I, re, I recall the feeling of like the goodness too. And, you know, um, I really felt great after our record release party. I thought there was a lot of energy on stage. That was actually a good show. And I, I wish I could that. like bottle that energy up and yeah. then like tap into it at different times. I should a recording of it. That was good. Is there's, there's video, right? I saw like I, think, I saw a Facebook I think Andrew, live video. Andrew Basic sent me like a a like a short snippet of listen and sounded really good. And I and I didn't I haven't seen anybody post anything else. My man Clint came down from country. Clint took a, a couple of Facebook live videos. Somebody was like, "What does your band sound like? What does the band sound like?" And Clint was like, "Just basic rock and roll." Was that? <laughs> and I always think back to that. Just like, yep, yeah, it was just basic rock and roll. But that's all that? we had. That wasn't at the record release show. That was at Milk Boy when we did the... Oh, the Top of the World thing. Yeah. I can't recall that one. Yeah, that's that's when that oh, was. that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah. I think that might have been our first show with John, actually, on drums. John it was. Jenna McNally. McNally. No, no, no. Our second one, because we had done... We had done Top of the World with him. And then yeah. after that, we went into the studio. That, I remember, it was like after that next day, we went to the studio to record... Yeah, man, recording back to back like that is so brutal because it's just like you got to get it right, the hours, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, I, and you know, my next thing is going to be doing a single, and I think uh, I would have been smarter to do that back in the day, you know, just just to put money on that and just to focus, and because I still would have had money left had I done that, you know, I could have put that on playlists and like focus for a video on that and. Uh, and you're going to tell me that you told me this before. I'm not going to so say that. So I'm not, not, I wasn't going to say it. You're like it. nodding at me like, yep. No, I, I, I was actually happy because I, uh, now I'm finding out that that's what you're going to do. But I mean, yeah. I, I recommend that for anybody, man. Look, it's just a king. It just sucks. I mean, like, you know, like you and I grew up in the 90s, right? We want albums. We want pieces of art, creativity. We want our gish. We want our Siamese dream. We want all these things, right? I will not reveal how old I am. I, I do all the time. <laughs> I do all the time. I'm feeling good though. I feel better now at 39 than I did at 29. Um, but I would say, look, don't record an album. Record one song. Absolutely. You know, like uh, these these great fellows here in Country High. Well, actually, no, I think they're from uh, Orland. Uh, Something Divine. We play with them quite a few times, mm-hmm. and they always want me to like come out and like help them and stuff. And I don't know how to help. I don't know how to help anybody. I couldn't help myself in this mm-hmm. game. But what I can say is, just get yourself out there with one song that fucking kicks ass, man. That the mm-hmm. world cannot turn away from quality not you know what i mean anymore it's got to be quality because and it's got yeah like you're saying it's got to kill it's got to kill and you know i think you should go and if you go into the studio rent out a lot of time for one song like a lot of time yeah because if you think about all the all your favorite bands most of them spend years in the studio and there's a reason why they're your that's the reason why you're they're your favorite bands if you, if you were to like divide all that time within one song you had to figure like how many different versions of it are there are you know and different like uh re valuations of it there are you know different so many different ways yeah yeah so i mean i think it's important to like do that in the writing process too but then also like consider that you may want to change things in the recording process as well yeah, it's tough, man. Spend you know, a lot I mean, there's of time on one song. That's what I think. Like a like a a month on one song would be awesome, man. To multi to layer it up. Also, too, it's like well, for you though, one thing I can say about you is every single vocal take I ever heard was always on point. I don't think I ever heard like a flat note. Yeah, I hear them all the time, though. <laughs> I know you do. So, I mean, I know you do. <laughs> but I mean, for me though, I mean, I also it's the same way with the bass. Like Christ, like I can't get past the fact that I didn't hit this note correctly you know what i mean like yeah and if you have more time so i mean like young bands you know they want to know how they can help themselves help yourself by unfortunately i mean if you're going to be a local band in the area limit your shows man you know don't play three four times a month because people are going to fall weary to you eventually they're gonna be like i can't make i'm not going yeah. to this one i'm going to the next one and then also too, like brand yourself mm-hmm. make yourself into a brand yeah and uh i would recommend listening to uh sam harris or reading a book by him because he really him. opened great. my eyes recently on rogan's podcast man talking about like you know how to monetize yourself on the social media platforms really yeah, yeah cool. I mean it's 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 just amazing how like you know the game's changed yeah, you know what you're getting at is 
create interest first, right? I yeah. Mean, I, I don't know this mm-hmm. from experience, but it seems to me like that's what I want to do next is just start to create interest. There's actually this artist that I follow. Her name is Poppy mm-hmm. on Instagram. And I want to say three years ago, I had seen her Instagram and there was barely any music at all. Now oh, wow. she was going on like a medium scale tour, like selling out the Fillmore in Philadelphia, you know, like like doing those size venues now. And it, like the thing that was like probably three years ago. So she took her time or whoever was behind her took their time and slowly like garnered interest. And in, in, in you have to like make your social media presence interesting somehow. Which is something you and I had. We didn't grow up with that. You know no. what I mean? So it's very yeah. alien type procedure. So now it's like, okay, all right, I already have one song. So I'll just put down my guitar now and spend most of my time advertising myself, which is... Not my favorite thing to do, you know? It's hard, yeah. I mean, especially when you're a musician because you really are doing that anyway, you know? So it's like you have to have, like, dual personalities. Um, It's just a a weird, weird world out there, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, like, SoundCloud rappers uh, winning Grammys, being nominated for Grammys, you know? And, like, all these young guys, man, making hundreds of thousands of dollars because they're social media influencers, they're influencers and that's their actual job title is influencer and it's like jesus who influenced me as a kid Uh, somebody that i would see on (laughs) yeah cobain like on a magazine or something and then like maybe i'd see him perform on saturday night live once in a year Mm -hmm. and maybe i'd see his performance because i bought a vhs bootleg concert tape from the plymouth meeting mall when some cat would come around on saturdays and sundays so my perception of what was cool was limited whereas now kids are fucking like it's just it's just a two tsunami of like this is what you need to be influenced by right. and that shit scares me man yeah scares me too as a dad i'm like jesus what's it going to be like in 10 years so my son's like you know like i was at the question i'd yeah, like to ahead. ask you is yeah. as a parent and parent parents generally speaking um because we're going to be raised in such a tech age, this might be going off on a completely different tangent. No, and that's like, what we do here in the box. Like, I imagine you have to, like, balance this line of technology and restrictive technology. Like, okay, you want your kid to be informed and plugged in about what's happening, but you don't want them to become, like, lost. You don't, you don't want them to, like, not be able to do certain things because they're tied to their phone all the time. Or they're, you know, like... So do you do you restrict it all and be that parent and make your kid become that kid who doesn't know anything? It becomes like that weird sort of like outcast Amish kid or something like that. Or do you like let the you know, to what degree do you let them do things? And what degree do you take away the technology so that they can actually be a quote unquote like old fashioned normal kid? Well, I think that that's an excellent question. Um, I think old fashioned normal kids are extinct. And they'll never come back. Mm -hmm. The way that we will continue to grow will be influenced so much by technology that it will not only affect our bodies, but our minds. I mean, like, you know, so many different things are going to influence these kids. Like, I remember like a couple months ago seeing on Good Morning America, please help me. My son or daughter plays Fortnite all night long. How do I get them off? Like, how the fuck you get them off? Unplug that shit. You know what I mean? But, I mean, that causes a lot of... A lot of, uh, but here's the other thing: is that like gamers now are making business. My, I mean, gamers my, are getting paid. One of my nephews is doing something with Minecraft and monetizing that. Like, it's insane. I'm just that's crazy. So how can yeah, you Twitch. like not encourage that? But at the same time, you want to like pull them back a little bit. Like, dude, your eyes are gonna bleed. Yeah, you know. You like, know I, I recently got a PlayStation Four, and I hadn't played video games in like five years. You know. I, I play uh, maybe not every night like a game of football or something like that, but sometimes I'll play like poker on there or something like that. But I, if I play for like an hour, my eyes feel like death. Yeah, like I, it's so bad. But the interesting thing is um, with how you were saying how kids are going to change. I saw it the other day. Parenting too. It's parenting, yeah, it's totally. Like, parenting. Uh, you have to put your foot down. Yeah. You, also put your foot down, but as a parent, put your phone down. Okay, so this is this place That's true, in the because we don't know more. how to deal with it. You we're no. always plugged in too. We don't know how to no. deal with this. And how are we gonna like pull shit from our kids when it's like we don't, we don't know how to freaking do it. Yeah. put it down. So that's that's something that we need to like fix. But like 
Uh, so like the Plymouth Meeting Mall, there's this like spot where all the parents go, right? And they all play with these like really like uh, there's dinosaurs. You slide down the dinosaur. Yeah. They're made out of like this like I don't even know what it is. This plastic that you know somebody can crack their head on this thing. Like a pl- playpen. But my son always wants to go in there, and I don't want to go in there mainly too because kids pl- kids manhandle the shit out of each other. And my son's a very sweet like young man who cares about people and I don't want him to see that shit you know where people are like get out of my way it's my turn but the thing that bothers the shit out of me man is that all the parents who are watching the kids all have their phones out and all of them are checking and then they'll look up and they'll all have the same look like oh I'm a parent I'm a dad I'm a dad I'm down now I'm guilty of this as well at home sometimes but I've become very mindful with it I pick my son up after work and for the two hours that um, with them alone, I don't have my phone near me. I, I, I don't need to turn it off. I just go put it in the drawer somewhere. And that helps because he sees me doing stuff and like, you know, my son and I jam. Uh, you saw that video of Tyler playing the Moog, you know, like yeah. that, that's the best, you know? Cool. I mean, like if you can use technology to improve things, great, but don't let it like, you know, run you, you know? I saw these kids that same day at the Plymouth Meeting Mall with their parents running down the hall to the Verizon store, ages nine and ten, happy as horseshit because they were getting their furry first cell phones. The mm-hmm. same way that you and I would be happy in the eighties or nineties if we were going to Kitty City or Toys R Us. Yeah, that's. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, like, it's true. Like we, uh, it's like uh, the newspaper of our time or something. You know, that's an excellent way to put it. Um, we have to have the newspaper. Yeah. 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 Also, too, it's like, I mean. I don't know what it is too, but like, I don't know, since technology's come around, I, I feel as if like, it's kind of like, uh, I wouldn't say sexy, but it's like perverted. Like it's always going to lead to perversion. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like what you're seeing, like, I'm not talking just about porn, but like you're being influenced by these people, what they're wearing. I mean, look at the people who bought those tickets for Firefest or whatever. I don't know if you saw that documentary on Netflix. No, not yet. If you get a chance, check, definitely check it out. But I mean, these people are like, oh, this looks awesome. All the celebrities posted an orange, just all orange. It's the Fire Festival. I'm going. I don't even know what this shit is, but I see orange. I'm going. Like who, who the hell would do that 20 years ago when we were growing up? I don't know, man. Like, oh, man, I got to go to Tony and Joe's Pizza. They got a whole box that's just red. Yeah. I don't... I mean, if there was a box that was all red, I'd be down with it now. But I, I'm just trying to make a point that, like, we're never going to be able to get back to the way we are, we were. Right. Right. I don't think... I don't think we we should. I think I think the idea is, like, we're learning how to, like, roll with it. Learning how to manage the... Mitigate stuff. You know, not, learning how to not become so overcome with it. You know, yeah. Not it's, becoming addicted to it all, letting it consume you. I think everyone's addicted, man. Even yeah. like the older generation now that's figured it out. Like the older generation that's on Facebook, like, oh my God. Like when I showed my dad how to use YouTube, it was like the mm-hmm. greatest day in his life, man. He's like, yeah. you mean I can look up any goddamn thing I think of, Bob? Yeah. I'm like, dad, I don't want to know what you're going to think of, but yes. Yeah, my mom is cr- is funny as hell with texting and stuff. It's great. <laughs> she loves it. That's you know, I I do like it that it can keep families together and stuff like that, and like mm-hmm. make you know, say for instance, like you know, my brother lives in California. I can see what he's doing, and like he could send me a video. My son can see Uncle mm-hmm. Sam. So I like that part about it. But what I don't like is how it's affecting the kids. You know. Like, like my dream and hope for this is by the time 15 years rolls around, social media is like uh, the equivalent of like Atari 2600. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's going to be something else that's the shit. It's the new Nintendo. It's mm-hmm. the Sega Genesis. There's something that's going to be like, oh, what the hell was I looking at a phone for for the whole time? Right. I can just right. click my, you know what I mean? But even that is like in, going into, you know, like... Uh, we don't know brainwashing we don't know we don't know did did you ever expect this to happen yeah I know. did you ever expect us to be sitting here with portable devices that can look up every goddamn piece of information in the world no no I don't think yeah I don't think we know how to deal with the ourselves or the kids or yeah I'm just it's It's interesting uncertain for sure I'm very scared but at the same time I'm excited you know um it's also too with like you know we're talking about music too like how technology affects it i hate that man that's also one of the reasons why i just couldn't do it no more i was just like i don't recognize this market no more i don't understand what the consumer wants because how do you get it across Mm -hmm. 
you know, creating interest somehow through social media. I like that. Like, you have to, like, build an audience before they'll listen to you, you know, before they'll spend their time on you. Do you know uh, who, did you see uh, in the news yesterday that Dave Grohl talked about this young girl, Billie Eilish? No. So it's B-I-L-L-I-E-E-L-L-I-S-H for the listeners out there. So like he like commented on this young artist, she's 17 years old, because his daughters listened to her and he compared her to the success of Nirvana, that she's got that type of rabbit fan base, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, let me check this out. <laughs> the next Nirvana I've been waiting for so long. Uh, she She's like a goth like pop singer and she's like got this like dark undertone to her, but um, her album's not even out yet. And she got the best press in the world. Dave Grohl, the drummer of Nirvana, comparing her to Nirvana. I was watching the day that the post came out, how her followers just increased by like the seconds. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's that's all it takes, a tweet or a retweet, you know, from a celebrity. That's it, right? Isn't that sick? (laughs) I mean, like 20 years ago, it was actually you had to be good. Yeah. You had to have some sort of, I mean, maybe you were from Seattle or you were from the next town that was popping off, but you had to have some, some craft. Yeah. Christ, I mean, like, some of the rappers out there that are getting like you know all this press like i just don't see the the talent behind it yeah i see the social media presence without a doubt but i mean it is what it is you know yeah, what I, mean? I mean it's it's so hard to actually like like because i have the same thought but at the same time music is such a subjective thing that you tell this to people and they're like well what do you mean it's not any good you know um it's not based on merit anymore i mean it is and it isn't maybe but that's why i think sharing stuff is so important it's almost an obligation i i mean i used to think we were the pioneers of that you and i (laughs) this is what i think i think that you know, for a while I was thinking you shouldn't share music because then it just makes people obli- feel obligated to do it. And you're not going to create true, authentic fandom by doing that, right? That's what I used to think. But yeah. the the market has changed in such that music is free 24-7, 365. You know, in other words, it is your obligation because you get it for free you know what i mean yeah it, it mm-hmm. i almost feel, that's how i almost feel it's like just do it just just share it out there and sort of because the market is now like yeah you can anybody can put anything out but then it's like how do you reach people then yeah how do you if, get if, how do you get people involved because it becomes tap water you know it, it, the value of music vastly drops and you know like during it's the only retail item that has pretty much dropped to 100% you know it's it's only result, like and then you see these deals at record stores it's like don't freaking give any discounts everybody gets music for free you know you can't i mean yeah. in only in music i feel like there hasn't been like okay since this has happened you know now these prices have to go up maybe in in actual concert tickets actually i take that back but you know i don't i don't really see like at least musicians reacting in a way that you know is is healthy to it no i mean musicians are still doing the whole thing where like it's me versus you you know what i mean like if you band together you know what i mean like that's what i always try to do at the top of the world i would get everybody together try to create a sense of community sometimes it works sometimes it wouldn't you know um it's a good thing I just feel as if that's like going to be what carries over into the next. You know? Hopefully, you know, because you're mm-hmm. right. It's all about dog eat dog competition, and it's just like, why does it have to be this way? You know, it doesn't have to. Yeah, I'm putting on a show uh, in, in June again, and you're going to be performing at it here in Conshohocken, the Conshohocken oh, Arts oh. Fest. Be sure to check the social media <gasps> trends for and an invite it, from me, bastards. Share it for Christ's sake. <laughs> like it, you know. I mean, just like it, huh? I mean, I mean can you like this for me? Two seconds. Yeah. Here's an here's an insane thing, right? So I've been fortunate that in the last couple of weeks, uh, the podcast numbers are up, and it's like a couple hundred per day. That's awesome. But if I post a photograph, awesome. I'll get fucking fifteen likes. Mm-hmm. Does it discourage me? No, because here on the Bobcast, I keep going. I don't stop. I'm like a shark. You know, coincidentally with sharks, man, I just introduced my son to Jaws. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned that earlier, but you know, maybe it wasn't the best movie to show a three-year-old because some of that shit at the end is really dark, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he loves sharks and uh, I just bought him uh, like a, a shark kit at Walmart today with like a two sharks, a little boat, some divers. Can't wait to play with it. 
It's awesome. I'm gonna get in that tub and make the dan it, dan it, dan it, dan it. Put your flippers on and get in the tub. I fucking I love Jaws though, man. I watch Jaws and I still pick up stuff, man. I I pick up different things each time I see it. I'm just like, oh man. My dad actually told me you you're a aficionado on Jaws too, right? I've never seen it. Oh my god, you gotta start tonight. I won't spoil anything. Listen, Jaws is probably one of the most perfectly produced films. That's right here. And the reasons behind it, you got Netflix, right? Yeah. It's on there. They added it. So perfect. That and Umbrella Academy. You got to get on. I love Umbrella. It came out last night. Mm-hmm. I fought. I usually am in bed by 10. I was like, nah, man, I got to stay up to at least 11 to watch two episodes. Umbrella I love it, Academy. man. It's great. Gerald Way, the guy from uh, My Chemical Romance. Oh, he also okay. stopped music too as well because he got sick of that shit and yeah. then started writing comics. And now he's got his own Netflix show. Huh. But um, Interesting. Yeah, man, you know, I, I really, I mean, I've always rooted for you. I rooted for you um, with Stone Throne. I helped out with that band for a bit. You know what I mean? It was a pleasure to be in Judah Kim. You know what I mean? I know that no matter what, you know, people will look back and they won't say, you know, Judah Kim, you know, this. They'll say Judah Kim, the musician. You know what I mean? They'll remember you for being a songwriter. Yeah, that's awesome. Hopefully, that'd be cool. No, no, no. No hopes. <laughs> no dreams. I know that. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I mean, you write great songs, man. I mean, like, some of the best songs. I mean, I love Listen. I love the way that song feels. Thank you. And, um, I mean, I really like Dark Circles. Dark Circles was a blast to play live. And then some of the ones that we didn't record, like Understanding, like, I never played a song that textured with so many different parts. That's um, actually called SMH now. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I actually, I think I've seen a video of you performing that yeah. at the the last gig you did last uh, weekend, yeah. right? Okay, that's on Instagram, maybe. Uh, okay, I mean, maybe somebody else posted it, but I like, think Sarah posted it. Oh, all right, all right, yeah. I was playing electric guitar, but yeah, that song is called um, SMH, and it's a very dark song. It's a very. I always feel weird playing it because it, I definitely talk about like how social media makes me feel some, or how I react to social media. I should I say. I know, right? Isn't it weird um, you get mad at a device? Yeah, you know. <laughs> or it's like the people are in the device, really. Yeah, and it's like you do you get mad at it, and you like shake your head as you're like scrolling through your yeah. feed, but then you want everybody to follow you and friend you and share your stuff, and it's just like this. Oh, uh, such a you know what I mean? I've actually unfriended a couple of people recently. Um, I'm just, I'm contemplating even just moving away from Facebook in general. Again, I mean, I quit it once and it was awesome. I just don't like the way it looks, man. Even Sam Harris said that shit, man. He's like, I hate that. I hate the look of it. Hmm. Joe Rogan don't like the look of it either. He's just like, nah, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? But I don't know. It just sucks that like for your art, for your music, for your podcast, for your sculpture, you need this shit. You know what I mean? How did people? Yeah. How did people make like uh, sculptures back in the '90s and get people to come to their art gallery? That's a whole different. Thing. I mean, like sending a postcard. The art, the art world is just so polluted, though, too, and corrupt itself with all of that. But yeah, yeah. But to answer your question, yeah, and invitations in the newspaper, and because people were bored and didn't have anything else to do, and now it's just like we're bored because we have too much to do and too much stimulation, right? Yeah, too much really stimulation, really and also Sorry. two people. It's fine. Um, some people too. Ah, it's weird how like. Um, even just the social dynamic of getting invited to something has changed. Mm-hmm. You're either interested, you're going, or you can't go. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just like it's this one fucking app that's is controlling like how we interact with each other. Mm-hmm. It used to be that you send out invite cards. You know what I mean? Or like mm-hmm. you know, like you said for the gallery, like announcements and stuff. But um, I hate one of the worst things I, I, I as a human being suffer from is. Um, I feel terrible if I don't include everybody, you know? And, like, I can't include everybody. As far as what? In- inviting um, people? Like, yeah, invite or, like, um, you know, just in general. Like, I, I like even if I'm, like, at a place where, like, I'm in a, like, say, for instance, I'm at work, right? Mm-hmm. And we're having a meeting at work. And I do know that, like, the team should be present. And the one guy's not present. I want to call him into the office so that way he feels a, some sense of worth mm-hmm. because I know that through just this goddamn uh, Aquarius blood that I got flowing through me that he's feeling bad about himself if he's not included, you know? And I felt that a lot when I was a teacher too. I think that's probably why I was a good teacher is I always wanted to make sure everybody felt welcomed. Right. And that's mm-hmm. hard to do on social media. 
hard to invite everybody to places. It just that, but it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, it, uh, you ever see somebody write some whack shit and you're like, oh man, I should probably reach out and help this guy right now. Be like, I don't want to put myself out there. You know what I mean? I like, I don't want people to like think that I'm, uh, like, I, I don't want people to think that my ego is so inflamed that I know how to help this person on social media. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd rather call them you know and right. help them directly but it's like if i'm going to help somebody on social media that means everybody's invited to the party in a way you know what i mean like uh everybody's going to think that my advice is the best advice somebody asked me recently uh what's the best way to take care of like a puppy or some shit and i was like i don't know set a timer you know what i mean like and other people are like no 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 that's not right you know what i mean with the you know yeah. how the comments come down it's just the, the, an overwhelming overload of opinions that's what it is opinions man everybody's got them they're like yeah. assholes yeah and, and all these the corporations know it too and they that's why you, you see stuff like you know best whatever and like you know these lists that come out and these they know how to push our buttons you know they know what they our do. hot button topics are and so that's what I'm hoping man 15 years we get sick of it and we fight back you know what I mean either that there's like a solar flare and everybody's like oh shit there's no cell phones what do we do think about this though what is it going to be like though in 30 years when people don't know how to actually get from point A to B without some robot telling them Waze Google Maps you know what I mean like like people don't know they don't know man dude I just got Grubhub I do like Grubhub. I mean, Christ. You Shout know what I mean? out Wh- to Kevin Cox, Grubhub. Cox does Grubhub now? <laughs> it was like, when we were in Nashville on tour, <laughs> he was like, I wonder if they have Grubhub here. And I was like, That's like right. shaking my head at him like, See, he's a millennial. Freaking so. millennial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now I just figured it out for that. I had the flu um, two weeks ago. Uh, and I watched the Super Bowl alone. I told my family they can go out, and I ordered Grubhub. I was like, Jesus Christ, they're going to deliver me Wawa. This is like I've been waiting for this moment for the <laughs> for my whole life. Right, for somebody right. bring me Wawa. But I mean, some things could be good, some things could be bad. But it, it is unfortunate though, that they try to mold like our, um, you know, everything now is presented to us in such a strange way. I'm not sure if you're following this uh, actor from the show Empire. What happened to him out there in Chicago? Nope. So this dude, who's an actor, um, an African-American fellow, um, claimed that, I shouldn't say claimed, he says that two men um, dressed in dark clothing and masks uh, beat him up, threw bleach on him, and wrapped a noose around his neck while saying racist uh, things. Jesus. Um, They threw bleach on him, too. It's just uh, terrible. And then he came out and was on uh, Good Morning America and recalled his incident, and now, in social media... And even Forbes and like variety, like established websites are claiming that the actor knew these two guys and hired him because he was getting written off the show. Um, Sucks. Like one, it sucks if this guy did get jumped and now this is what's going on because we don't believe people when they claim that they've been uh, victimized, Mm -hmm. which is weird because it's like we're in this like really sensitive time period, you know, where people are like calling each other out for like you know small things big things medium things everything but i just it just sucks that that's the current state of the the, the like our country right now is so racially divided like i hate it that that goes on yeah we're just divided about everything and it, i mean i just kind of tired of the whole the concept that just doesn't people don't seem to understand that and they continue to feed into it you know yeah, I, I hate that. I, I hate even saying that because I'm I'm not trying to say that I'm better than anybody by saying so. It's just it just is. It's just what it is, you know. I I've said, you know, as technology increases our um like threshold for like dealing with things lowers and lowers and lowers and lowers and lowers. And like, you know, we didn't speak out about stuff for the longest time man like first off i mean racism sucks i've said it thousands of times here in 176 episodes if you're racist fucking unfollow me don't listen to me you know even right. if you have like a hint of it drop me man drop me quick i mean it sucks that we live in a world where that exists it sucks it sucks we live in a world where ted Danson and we're blackface to a ceremony with whoopi goldberg in the 90s it sucks that people still do this stuff and think it's funny you know what i mean like get over yourself you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like we're all in this shit together Mm -hmm. man you know in some way or another we're all going to go out together or at least i hope so yeah 
start treating people right you know what i mean start sharing things on facebook <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's exactly what I'm, my point is just like let's help each other out and you know ignore all the just shit sent to you by corporate stuff like articles like hot button shit just you know there's there's look at your own world and what can you do in your own world what can you make too what, what can, can you make? create what can you what you can know, you come up with exactly you know when i was in italy too it was just looking at all the architecture and it was just so amazing and just humbling mm -hmm. being in those those buildings those vast buildings you know and it's like yeah a lot of it was built on like slave labor and you know there's a whole connotation of negative connotations when it comes to like the churches and stuff like that but uh, some of those buildings took hundreds and hundreds of years to build and just the patience with all of that and then just the 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 beauty of it all too now we build things so fast and they're not beautiful it's just it's utilitarian it's like let's just build a highway boom let's just build a building for this boom and it's just a square gray piece of mass instead of just something um aesthetically beautiful like what are we, what are we passing on to the next generation and it makes me think like did that did they know back in the day that it would be something forever you know and if they did that's a, that's a wonderful way of looking at the world and, and thinking about um, passing tradition on and passing on identity as well you know lineage a legacy of something you know what I mean like what sort of legacies are we leaving behind that's why you know I think that's why art and music are so important I think it's a beautiful point I think mm -hmm. it's probably the best fucking point somebody's made on the show in a while oh, thank you I mean it's got so many different things to it I agree 100% with that man I mean the church out this window down the street built 100 years ago mm -hmm will probably stand the test of time versus these new buildings that are popping up, you know, especially like in residential neighbors, neighborhoods where these houses just pop up in two weeks. Like somebody could push that shit down, man. You know what I mean? Those firewalls aren't safe, yeah. but something about the past, you know, I always think too, it's, it's important to uh, pay respect to your elders, you know, listen to them, you know, help them learn 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 their recipes and pass it on so that a piece of them is with your kids and yourself you know that's that's Without art doubt. right there i mean i already taught my son about jaws boom we're in you know <laughs> he's gonna be out there this summer trying to catch a shark yeah. but yeah it's something beautiful about like looking at history i i i just feel as if by the time we got to the year 2000 it was like it was game like you know how people are like oh the y2k bomb's gonna blow up and stuff like that it didn't blow up but no. we did blow up from that point forward in time we just became a mess man in 19 years since we have completely yep. changed our thought patterns when it comes to how we perceive things yeah that's terrifying keep going really. with that like what do you mean we just like right after y2k you know like maybe we had like a four year period I think the first iPhone came out I don't have you know, this is where Jamie would come in we call him Quasi here on the show by the way my assistant here Quasi can you tell me Quasi is not here um, just from that point forward 2000 to 2019 in these 19 years yeah. we have changed so much even our, our parents us and now the kids mm -hmm. even pets for Christ's sake are getting fed by robotic instruments are they really I've seen it on uh, the internet, of mm -hmm. course. But I mean, you know, you're not home. You need somebody to feed the pet. You can't give them the whole bowl or the whole bag because they'll eat it. Drops it out at a timer. Everything's changed so much that we are no longer, our brains are no longer going to be able to operate the way it was for us as kids. And there's no going back, but we just have to figure a way around it so much so that we're able to achieve greater things like you were talking about in Italy build that building let's get back to those roots you know what I mean let's make the Schuylkill Expressway four lanes for Christ's sake who can figure it out <laughs> I don't know yeah yeah but that's my hope and dream here on the Bobcast yeah I think I think we're just a lot of people are lost I think you know that's unfortunate or at least they're looking for some sort of purpose or identity and you know, maybe they can't find it in a church or or wherever, and the depression rising, and just maybe look to the past. Maybe find your identity with with your own family, and and see what you can carry on in in their name. I think that's that's a beautiful place to start. But that also sounds like, you know, 
the the connotations of tradition always come with it these sort of conservative right wing values i suppose sometimes they do anyway mm. and that's always negative for people to think of but if i were to just break it down to you like this like my mom there's a recipe a chick my mom has this chicken recipe that it it's only hers you know mm-hmm. it, um, and it's only hers and it's something that I must making it my mission. Like I must learn how to do that before she passes away, because that will be a piece of her that'll carry on to the next generation, so that she'll never be forgotten. You know. And then, your mom's food's banging, by the way. Oh, thanks, thanks. You know, and there's just it's just little things like that that I think are important, and even just you doing this and like that that was just making me think um, about uh, Guy Garvey from the band Elbow. He started doing podcasts or just interviews with his dad so that he could just uh, pass his father's voice on to his kids and grandchildren. And That's a huge thing, man. Somebody in my family recently was like, uh, you know, I haven't heard my mom's voice in 25 years. Yeah. And uh, it's sad. But, um, now, but now we can do it, though. And that's the beautiful now thing we can. about the technology. We preserve yourself. Use technology that way. Yeah. That's, we can be positive about it. That's the best this, message you know? we can get out of today's podcast. Yeah. Um, speaking about finding yourself, how can people find you on the social medias? Judah Kim, J-U-D-A-H-K-I-M. And Definitely uh, check them out. Mm-hmm. Go buy the album too for Christ's sake. Judah Kim's Assassination. Even though we talk shit on Kawhi, there is some fucking banger hits on that album. <laughs> And my next record, hopefully, will be, uh, well, it's in the works. Well, I'm down to help in any way I can, you know what I mean? Uh, whether it be, like, you know, by giving you pep talks or, you know, <laughs> get, making a music video or doing anything. I'm always here for you, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, you bet, man. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. My name's Bob. This has been another episode of...